0: On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music is Not a Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo and welcome to Music is Not a Genre, the interview edition. Uh, Every week I talk about music. I break it down. I bust myths. I connect genres. I talk about how genres are not the way music is defined. I connect music to my own music, to other people's music, and to other things in the world. Uh, thank you to everyone who has subscribed, clicked, and shared, and, and uh, read, and watched, and listened. And if you're a Patreon subscriber, especially, thank you very much for that. And uh, if you've donated blood to me, that's wonderful. Thank you as well. I'm glad to know you. And uh, I hope you stick around because today's guest I'm very excited about. Uh, I have with me here James Castelli. He is a composer, performer. He's a teacher. He is a doctor. We'll talk about that. Uh, An astronomer, an astrophotographer, a vintner. And my second cousin once removed. Uh, you know, I once removed him from a party because he wasn't behaving well. I don't know. I, it sounds like an old joke. I have no idea. How are you today?
3: I'm doing fine. How are you?
1: Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, it's been a little cold today in our various areas. You're in New Jersey, South Jersey, right? Uh, I am in New York, of course, but I'm doing pretty well. So... We are related. Yes. And I would, I want to hear a little more about that, but that isn't quite how we know each other because this is actually the first time that we are in a sense meeting face to face.
3: Yes, indeed. I, uh, I have, I thought about that cause it's like, yeah, I wasn't sure if we even talked on the phone. We've talked a lot online, uh, you know, messages, YouTube and, uh, facebook and whatnot um i've met some other close relatives of yours but uh <laughs> right <laughs> we've actually crossed paths uh face to face yet so
1: no not not um, in any way like this not phone yeah how now do you recall how we got in contact with each other
3: um well i i imagine it might have been uh through facebook i if i'm not um you know at at this point it's been probably a few years um we've been connected um i probably uh was talking to i guess your mother first and was getting some information and so when i when i do my research i reach out to a lot of family members who um because a lot of the older generation are gone so uh they you know i I missed kind of the chance to get a lot of the, uh, lot of information. So I kind find myself looking on each branch of the tree and, uh, it's a quite a big, <laughs> big, <laughs> a big tree. And, uh, so I think, um, I think, uh, your mother and father were, uh, gave me a lot of information a few years, you know, three or four years ago. And, um, so became friends with them and so I saw a bunch of other Demanios and so you know start friend requests and receiving them and so you were in there somewhere.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> that,
3: I think it was initially a musical, uh I think that kind of you know came about later, you know, sharing some stories and interests.
1: I think you're right. Yeah, and I do recall that my mother was somehow involved in that, but just to catch people up. This research you're doing is for a pretty extensive family tree. Uh, Now, I've done a family tree on ancestry.com, and there are a few hundred people on that tree, and I'm pretty proud of that. But you are uh, well over, uh, have a tree of well over 4,000 members at this point. Mm -hmm. How far back does it go?
3: Well, There is, if it's correct, there is one lineage on um, my f- father's side that goes back to around 1610. But most most of it goes only back to the late, you know, mid-1800s. Because, um, But it's getting better. The more stuff that's uploaded over there in the old country, um, you can kind um, of, it's like a paper trail once you just start, um, you know, following the the trail of the birth certificates and they'll list who the parents are and most of the time they stayed in one town and didn't travel around too much so uh right but it's wider than it is deep i mean to get that many people uh you have yeah when you have when you have all the brothers and sisters of great grandparents or great great grandparents that's where things really explode (laughs) Uh,
1: yeah i see what you mean have you ever have you ever actually i can't imagine you've actually drawn this tree though
3: right uh well yes uh, but not by hand um using family tree maker i've uh printed out scrolls and i think i was pointing to it earlier oh
1: yeah
3: Uh, i know that your family has seen it um it kind of just like you know i could coat the walls with it um there's uh, i'm pretty sure uh your branch would be uh like a piece piece of paper it's like uh 20 feet long um because oh, oh my god my your grandparent grandfather was one of eight siblings and each of those have a have a branch <laughs> about that big right right so uh so just going back to giuseppe um that's that's really what that box is all about. It's the Dematios. Of course, that's, you know, one of eight pairs of great, great grandparents I have. So,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: God. But the whole thing has never been printed. But, you know, Family Tree Maker, which syncs with uh, Ancestry. Mm. So if I'll do work in there, I can up, upload it to uh, Ancestry.com and invite people to see it if uh, they're so inclined or if they ask me questions but
1: I'm going to have to take a look at it. I, I don't think I've ever actually seen your tree on Ancestry. So you'll
3: probably say why you use that picture of me. <laughs> 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 yes, I have pictures. I've, I I have a I went down much. that rabbit hole. I think it looks so much cooler with having pictures.
1: I love but, that. Yeah.
3: I mean, it makes it more personal and you can see the resemblances and
1: there is a uh one of one of my favorite older, you know, artists, uh well, it's not that that far back in history was Norman Rockwell. And he did a painting of a family tree. And I don't know who the models were that he used, but he went back, I don't know, six, seven, eight generations, and he was so meticulous in how he showed the uh family resemblances and the certain you know features and traits. Uh, even even down to like a certain sparkle in the eye or something like that I've always just that painting itself has always fascinated me and I think because it's because I've always been fascinated with lineage and family trees and ancestry
3: it's I don't know it's addictive um it's a lot of work and I know it's I know it'll, it's a something that will never be finished mm, like yeah it will you know So, you know, I get people calling me, oh, you know, bad news or good news, someone, you know, born, married or, you know, uh, but some people, uh, you know, I got to, you know, knock on the door and say, hey, any, (laughs) I've been talking to you in five years, any, anything I should know about any new family members or. Wow. So. I,
1: I think it's, it's amazing work that, you know, it's, I think any family who has at least one person like you doing work like this is lucky. Because it's not, like you said, it's, it's work that never ends. You know? Speaking of work that never ends, you, you do a, quite a bit of work on many things. And I think, um, you know, with that intro and how we're related and, and all of that being said, I think it's a good time to give you an opportunity to tell everyone uh, your story. Oh, boy. <laughs> as far back as you want to go, whatever you want to include, let people know what you're about, what you do, uh, you know, any, whatever you want to highlight.
3: Well, I mean, should I give a particular slant to music since, uh,
1: you can. I mean, I think, well, the thing is we're going to talk about music quite a bit and and I'm excited about that, but feel free to throw in anything else that you feel strongly about. I think there, there are people out there. What I like about what we do and what I try to do with all of the, these podcasts is connect music to other things in the world anyway. And it's, I think, nice to kind of illustrate that most people you know who are creative people do more than one thing and having mentioned that you are you know into astronomy and do things with that and you're he he Jim has his own uh winery that he you know wine that's won awards
3: a vineyard I mean I'm not a winery yet I make my own wine but I'm not
1: (laughs) okay you're not quite okay so yeah so I would say it doesn't all have to be about music just go ahead and you know whatever feels good
3: All right. Well, back in 1972, great year for music. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great, it's like, wow, you know, I got Stevie Wonder, Superstition, Chicago, Saturday in the Park. And, you know, if you look at the hits that were out that year there's some good stuff, but uh, you know, I made my debut and I was the first of three children. I have two younger sisters And, uh, you know, my father was a farmer, so a lot of happy memories. Uh, That's probably where I, you know, I'm always growing things, so not just the the vineyard. I mean, the house is filled with plants, you know, tropical things. I got coffee trees and cocoa and mangoes and jackfruits and things. But, I mean, I was always, you know, planting weeds and (laughs) things. you know, in, in this spare time at the farm, but, you know, learning to drive a tractor, working in a packing house. So those are my childhood memories. Um, when I wasn't being a nerdy kid at school, um, look, you know, looking in encyclopedias, you know, researching insects and planets and geography. And so a lot of people thought I was going to be a scientist or something. When I was growing up because of what I was reading. Um, but somehow I was always, um, well, I guess I was take I was banging things. Uh, I don't know what I was using, but um, I was kind of destroying pieces of furniture. I remember there was an old eight tracks a cassette case. Remember eight tracks? Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I don't think it was real leather, but it was square, like a little um, lunchbox that held about twenty eight tracks but it had a really good thuddy sound and I would always be drumming along I guess I must have gotten some kind of I, don't, I can't remember what I was using if I got drumsticks from somewhere so my parents said you know we got to get this kid drum so um I think it was my eighth or ninth birthday um I got a drum set and so that was the beginning of my uh, odyssey taking lessons and uh Making a lot of noise. I um but very soon I realized I wasn't just interested in just playing the drums. I wanted to create something, which is something I never really understood when I'm teaching a lot of students that they're just happy to play the notes or just play something that someone else wrote. I just had this, I don't know where that came from that I wanted to make something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So if you imagine that you a kid who can barely play the drums and you want to write a song and you can't really sing. There's that. so that was my first problem was uh, I don't know why I wanted to write music if I didn't have a piano yet so I, I, I but I had a little cheesy tape recorder um probably from the sick who knows when it when it you know this thing was well, it sounded terrible very hissy and a lot of very cheap microphone I would get cassettes and I would um you know write lyrics out um and I would play the drums and I would do this thing where I would get one cassette player and play back and through the speakers and so if the drums were playing over the speakers I would have the microphone on the other cassette player recording the play so this is how I overdubbed yeah it sounds horrible (laughs) but I thought it was pretty cool I didn't know any other way to do it so and probably 80 384 I did a few but most of those are lost so my first surviving recording is from 85 hmm. uh, and uh, the first few of them it's just my voice and drums if you can imagine <laughs> uh, of a, like a 12 13 year old and uh, nice wow uh, and a couple of years actually I think the year after that uh, my parents got at an auction I think for a hundred dollars uh, a an upright piano that's still at their house and so i then i would spend most of my time you know i would come home from school i'd be on there for two three hours i mean i practiced more than i ever you know practice even today i mean i was getting pretty good at piano and so then then we have harmony and melody going on in the music so and, you know, I'd team up with some guys from high school when I, when that stage came and they would come over and it, was, oh, and it would always be about, okay, what can we record? And would there would always be some song that would come out of it, instrumental or rock song or something. So I'd have piano pieces, I'd have drum solos, I'd have comedy skits, my friends would come over. So anything, you said my music is not a genre. There is no genre. If you listen to my stuff, it's like you have... Like kids making, like cracking themselves up, laughing, making some comedy skit. Then you'd have some semi serious piano thing. Then you'd have this god awful 20 minute drum solo. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. And then you'd have something that sounds like an actual song, but it's horribly sung because I'm out of tune. and, um, And that's, and away I went. And so I was very productive, very high quant, you know, the quantity was high, the quality was low, but I was very, you know, I was driven to do this. And so, uh, you know, was, you know, in choir in high school. So that actually, my my senior year of high school is where I kind of, because um, I joined a select choir. And that was the first time I kind of had a better idea of how to start singing, getting more comfortable with my voice.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But really, it's not until the past couple of years. So like, Thirty years after that because I've always been uncomfortable with my voice so I write these songs that are more for a crooner to sing because I like prog I like jazz rock and fusion and all this stuff but when I actually write a song I find like the best way to melodies is you know if you're dealing with power chords I find I can't do all these complex harmonies and versions with stacked you know 13ths and whatever and so The style of music I write isn't best suited for my voice, and so most of what I do, I feel like, is just uh, demos that ideally someone else would cover for me. But I think in the past couple of years, I've I've really kind of figured out how to trick people into thinking I you know I'm singing decently. <laughs> but you know, college—that's when things got serious, and suddenly you start hearing string quartets and pieces for orchestra, percussion ensemble, and woodwind quintet and choirs and I started, you know, so my, my degree is basically music education, mm-hmm. and then I kept going, and that's where I got my, as you mentioned, a doctorate in composition when I went to Miami for that, um, but that was just to keep going as far as that would go. Probably what I should have done is what most people do is you get your bachelor's, you get a teaching job, and then you go to night school or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like, I couldn't imagine doing that. I couldn't imagine teaching kids all day and then what, go to night school and uh, I I don't know. So I just kept going and uh, I've been teaching in some form or fashion, whether it's student teaching or substitute teaching or a few years, I was full-time public school teacher. Uh, I did some adult classes, adult education for astronomy, private lessons, so from pre-K to 80 years old, I've had students of all ages, and but mostly it's music. And uh, wow. well, I'm not, I'm not sure if I kind of rambled a bit, but
1: not at all. How I have so many notes already. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but for how did you get involved in astronomy?
3: Ah, well, uh, well, interestingly, um, when I graduated from college in 2001, after getting my doctor that is um Mm -hmm. my first when i got my bachelor's was like 96 um i got my my first teaching job i was suddenly making money that i hadn't seen before or since (laughs) um and it's like hmm so my i had a friend and uh we would always have you know you say we're gonna have a long conversation but i would have conversations that would go on all night long you know what if and philosophical conversations and um so the science, this and me, we would, you know, rereading books on how the universe started and uh, these big questions of, um, you know, Einstein and relativity and how, you know, light speed and all this. And, and so it's like, you know what, I want to understand how this, like, I just don't want to hear conceptually that I'm looking at a star and it's, you know, a thousand light years away. I want to actually... I want to connect with it more. I want to, I want to see these things for myself. Um, So I purchased the telescope um, and I caught the boat. That's, that's what I do. I, I get interested in something and then I'm, you know, whole hog into it. And of course you can't just look at the things you have to take pictures of it. So then how do you attach a camera to it? And then of course the earth is turning. So if you, take a picture of something in space while the earth is moving, unless you find some way to counteract earth's rotation, <laughs> um, you get streaks and you can actually make star trail photos that do that. And I have some of that stuff on my YouTube channel. That's a uh, taking advantage of the earth turning as they, the, the uh, you see the arcs that the stars trace out in the night sky. But uh, you know, from about 2003, that's when I really got into that. And so I was in the local South Jersey club. It was like, a the secretary for a while. I never, you know, go the meetings and hosting star parties, camping out. Mm-hmm. I would travel to remote parts of the United States, uh, Northern Pennsylvania, go out to Arizona, uh, went out to Hawaii once and the furthest I was to uh, Chile, Um mm-hmm. uh, was the last vacation I ever took because I wanted to see the southern? Because I mean, all this time I was only seeing half the sky. Right. Um, so we got all those fun southern constellations and oh yeah, clusters and galaxies and so I really got into that. But since since then, that's there's so much light here on the East Coast, you know, between New York and Philadelphia, that it's really hard to find a place where you can really appreciate and because if you just take a telescope and you look at Anything except a planet or the moon. It's like a gray smudge, and it's not very exciting to, you know, hey, come look at this. It's like this, like, you know, you see like what what am I looking at? And you see like a few hazy stars or a gray smudge, like a little puff of smoke or something. It's like, yeah, that's the Orion Nebula. And they're like, Okay.
2: So a picture
3: of colors and the shapes and all that. Um, that's another reason why I take a picture. is like, you can um get a good exposure for like a half hour. It's like having your eye open, getting all these photons and mm. stacking it. And you can really, that, that's what astronomy photography is really about is capturing as many photons as you can and kind of canceling out all the light pollution from uh that's what it's called. Light pollution. Right.
1: Yeah. I've heard that phrase. Um, the, uh, the closest I've come to that kind of vision was uh, I've spent, uh, I've been out to Arizona a few times and you know, Grand Canyon at night or something like that, where there is really no, almost no light pollution, depending where you are. And it's so different. It's so different than what we see here.
3: Yeah. The Milky Way for the first time. I think I was traveling with some friends in Europe. I kind of on a whim went and I was, uh, I think a little country of Andorra between Spain and France. We were kind of just riding around we're up in the Alps, not the Alps, uh, whether it's the Pyrenees or something. Um, we got out, we said, let's stop the car. It's at night in the mountains. We got up and it was, and it was almost like a religious experience just to see. That was the first time I really saw such con, you know, dark skies with so many stars that, you know, if you go out and look at this, any clear night, imagine that times, you know, a thousand more stars. It was, uh, so that kind of planned the seed years before. And uh, anyway, so that's. that's <laughs> breathtaking.
1: It's breathtaking. Yeah. Well,
3: yeah. so that that's was a little detour. Um,
1: no, that's, that's like great. It. And we'll be making a few more detours for sure. But I wanted to go back to something that uh, you mentioned, which I think is this is always interesting to me because I, you know. I'm a creator and a musician and all of that. And of course, as we are, we work with, as you said, other people who are musicians, but maybe don't have that urge to create anything themselves. Right. And I've, I've always found that interesting. It's, and it's not even something it doesn't necessarily puzzle me because there is a sense that when you're a performer Or a leader in some sense, where you're kind of taking ownership of yourself in front of other people, you you have to put yourself out there. And I've been hired for bands where I'm just the bass player, you know, or just the guitar player or whatever it is. And there's a certain kind of freedom there to where you can just be in the pocket doing what you're doing and you are not the main focus of attention nor is the thing that you're playing you're playing someone else's material whatever that may be so there is a real sense it, it not wanting to create is something that i can understand because you're you're kind of you're not somebody who wants to be that far out of yourself and to put yourself out like that but what do you think it is that makes you in particular or anyone uh, need to create themselves?
3: Well, you had mentioned being in a band. I mean, I was, I, I most of the performances I've done live were, you know, were, uh, you know, in college, it would be things like, uh, I'd be part of a percussion ensemble. Very rarely I'd be in, in an actual, you know, rock band where we're going into a, you know, a bar, you know, and playing stuff and, a lot of times they were cover bands, but invariably, um, like these guys, this was a <laughs> cassette, a little band I was in, uh, in the early nineties, high risk. Um, and, uh, we did originals. So, you know, we, I, and, you know, we would try to find covers that we liked doing, um, where I would kind of try to suggest originals that were more, you know, my cup of tea than, you know, uh a lot of the power, you know, stadium rock that was, you know, big in, at that time.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, but I always find like, well, we're doing a cover. This was like, yes, this is something that most people wouldn't have heard before. Um, um, so even when I was, you know, in that sense, you know, just playing keyboards in, in a band um, what really got me excited was doing something original. I mean, I, I like doing covers. Um, if it's something I like doing, I like, you know, playing good songs. I mean music is music, but um just the idea of creating something, I don't know. It's um it, it's just I, I'm not I, I don't think I've analyzed it that correctly because I do a lot of cooking too and I can't follow a recipe to save my life. I have recipes, I have all these books, but it's like life is an improvisation. It's like what's in the fridge? Let's throw it together. It's like here's some notes. Here's a make some sounds like what can i what can i make with this um what what hasn't been heard before you know i i love that i love that i'm not sure if i have thought through well does the world really want to (laughs) hear what i come up with well you know (laughs) obviously after all this time um it had that's the part of my life that really hasn't made me the most money, or if any at all, um, it's so it's more of a, a passion um, when I do it. Um, but you know, life does get in the way, and so yeah. sometimes I think there was a one-year, an eight-year hiatus um, where I didn't do any recordings. And I thought, well, I guess that part's done. And suddenly, I kind of
1: oh.
3: got back in the game again. Um,
1: couldn't let you, couldn't let you go. Yeah,
3: yeah. Between two thousand eight two thousand sixteen, I don't think I think there were a couple. Like I would do one thing and. But I always like to think of it out in terms of albums, like having a collection of songs. So it took me a while to get back and, you know, things rolling. So now, once every two or three years, you know, before I would do a, originally I was doing like an album every month when I was in high school. <laughs> so I've, I've slowed down quite a bit, but. Well, yeah,
1: that, that actually answers or semi answers. One of the questions I like to ask, um, which is the first one that's coming out over several. Um <laughs> uh which i have to write down here uh just this one thing but you uh your most recent album uh and we're gonna have links for all this stuff for the astrophotography and just everything uh so uh, you can all check this stuff out too is called uh 103 degrees fahrenheit
3: right yes well actually i never given much thought how you would say it um
1: yeah well yeah right <laughs>
3: Fahrenheit 103 um 103 because it's the 103rd album <laughs> this is where there you I'm, go I, that's uh, it yeah <laughs> so uh one of my um I should have mentioned somewhere in my musical odyssey uh back when I discovered the uh, parents eight track drawer there was uh, all the Barry Manilow and Neil Diamond and that I kind of that's another reason why i guess i'm you know melodically and harmonically inclined you listen to (laughs) that, you're not going to be doing power chords um (laughs) but very soon after that um i got into chicago that was um it's quite a jump and i was very enamored with the way they numbered their albums like um you know classical music would be, and also they had this uh, a logo, an insignia so the the famous Chicago logo that they um, had that was supposed to imitate the uh, i think the coca-cola in design was so, and so it wasn't the fate so the like that represented the music um, and it wasn't about the individual members so that's i because so i would just kind of um i made a little symbol and i would kind of decorate it in different scenarios how many different ways could i um envision it so you know the the symbol doesn't appear on this one um except for the fact that it's part of the title but uh the way i've worked into the number of the album was that you know a temperature on a thermometer and the fact that this was my pandemic album now, I'm, now in retrospect, it's like I have this poor sick kid on the cover. That's not even me. It was supposed to be me, um, but unfortunately, I, I seem to have misplaced the photo that had me laying on the couch when I was a little kid. Uh, you know, watching UHF channels. Um, <laughs> that's what I would, you know, do. And you'll, you know, Gilligan's Island and all that. Um, oh yeah.
1: So well, that would have been, that would have been cool. But I, you know, it, it's interesting that. The album you you titled the album that way with that kind of cover and you say, you know, it's your pandemic album. Did you in, did did you intend it to be that related to it?
3: Um, no, no, actually. Um I thought with hundred and three, that sounded like the number that was a pretty high in temperature that you would want to take seriously if that was your bodily temperature. Um Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's something I hadn't done before. So I, uh, you know, it's just the concept. Now I don't think musically the, there's not many, not many of my albums are concept albums. Um,
2: Right. I mean,
3: sometimes I work it into, into it somehow, but uh, like the first track mentions it. If you can even hear it playing in the later. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, you know, and and to me, it's almost, I find this is the case with a lot of artists, especially people like you who do so many other things. The, The ideas that come to you that consciously are just unrelated, you start to find connections to other things in them. And in this case, well, sure, maybe conceptually, there was nothing about the pandemic in here, but there was some part of your brain subconsciously, maybe that's like, well, you know, 103 is a, is a high fever, which not only has to do to me with illness, but it's that sense of like, this music is hot. You know, it's so hot. It's boiling, you know, like you're boiling your blood, you know, it's, it's uh and, and I've listened through to the whole album as well as many other of, of his works. You really should check it out. And I love that you mentioned Chicago because I didn't know that that was that connection with the the numbers and your symbol, but it makes perfect sense, and they've always been one of my favorite bands, or at least for the last, you know, 30 some years, and uh, one of the reasons why they're uh, high on my list is because of how eclectic their music was was yes yes they went everywhere i mean they they were the cure you know curiosity you know to the nth degree went wherever they wanted to go whether it was folk or classical or jazz or rock or blues or you know everything in between just straight up pop uh and i admire any artist who can do that and what i find in in your work is uh it's it's hard to classify and i like that you, there's so much of what you do there there are elements of jazz and pop and progressive rock and, and and any and some classical and there are electronic elements and pop and well I mentioned pop but you know there are there are some parts of your music that remind me of Chicago or you know Steely Dan but uh, but but then there's these there's some there is some kind of like a vocal music like you said Barry Manilow there's a smoothness to and a roundness to the melodies that you create and yet you you have har you know harmonic intricacies in there that those people don't have so there's there's this kind of you know uh, conceptual layering of the way that you're putting your music together and. And yet, at the same time, have you ever heard of a band uh, called Sparks?
3: Oh, you put me on the spot. Um, I'm going to say no, I have not.
1: Okay, so I hadn't either until a couple of years ago. They are two brothers from California who have been putting out albums for 50 years. And they have gone everywhere in their career uh in terms of the style of music they've tackled pretty much everything you can think of in a very similar way that you have but but with their own kind of flavor and the way you the way you sing in some at sometimes reminds me of their vocals uh which which a first of all you know tells me, I think, I would love to know your opinion of this band, because I listened to their whole catalog a couple of years ago, as I do that from time to time, I just pick an artist, listen to their whole catalog, and there are artists from the 80s and 90s who say that they have been hugely influenced by Sparks, and yet nobody knows who they are, and it's partly because I think They're so eclectic. They're so weird in some ways. They didn't stick to one genre that they, nobody knew what to do with them, especially the industry, which is so narrow minded, you know, but the other thing it tells me is that you had mentioned before that you've never been very confident with your own voice or, you know, there's a certain way that you, maybe you think someone, you know, hears it in a certain way or that you think of your songs as a demo instead of an actual full recording, which maybe there have been or will be people who come in and do vocals for you. And that's wonderful too. But at the same time, your voice is lending a character to everything you do that nobody else has. And you can say, we don't know who wants to hear our music. We don't know who needs to hear the music. There's a school of thought, which on my good days, I believe, and you know, then there were bad days, which is that... If you are compelled to create something if that is inside you, it's because the 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 energy of the world is asking for it. And there's not anybody else in the world who can do what you do. And I can say in spades having listened to dozens of your songs that there isn't anybody else in the world who can do what you do.
3: Well, that one of the things is like when I, you write your songs like there's only so many chords. <laughs> I mean, it's like what you're basically dealing, unless you're getting microtonal, you're dealing with the same twelve notes that you know Mozart used. So um, there's only so many comp- combinations. combination. I mean, there's actually an infinite number of combinations, but most of those are going to sound, you know, uh, you know, unless you present them a certain way, um, not not too good. I mean, if it was just randomly generated, um, so there's you know got to be an intelligence behind it, but so a lot of my, my songs are built on these kind of, I usually start on with a progression or like just kind of fooling around and, you know, I, I build my songs in the most unusual ways. Um, I, the way I do it now is I tend, if I'm if I'm doing it on piano, because if I do it on guitar to start, it turns out to a different kind of song.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um but I'll be playing, you know, there'll be a bass line, there'll be the chords and some kind of melody because I'm not just playing chords. But then I said, okay, well, now that's how I, that's the keyboard part now. But I'm not just going to sing the melody in the keyboard part. So I end up writing a counter melody to that. So I'm already doing this very contrapuntal fancy word, um, just having more more than one melody at the same time. And I don't know, I just find, well, how many other people do that i mean it's like the end of the beach boys god only knows yeah i mean it's like why isn't there more i mean i just so there's there's some times in my songs where um i'm not trying to sound like that but that kind of thing you know which used to be much more common um you know centuries ago (laughs) so it's kind of an older way to think about writing music and i just try to get away with what sort of things can i get away with in a pop song um because i mean a lot of the stuff i'm doing is rooted in pop now i mean i got tar drums keyboards whatever and um you know can i sneak a neapolitan six chord or a german augmented six or uh you know how many jazzy chords can i fit in this without it actually being you know jazz so and also because of the prog element. It's like how how many different time signatures can I slip in there without people noticing or tripping over themselves if they try to dance to it. So another thing you mentioned, like you're so eclectic, this nature of my music. And uh, the irony is the last couple albums, I've been trying to kind of be consistent, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like stick to a sound and a production because my production would be all over the map and the styles would be all over the map. And I like that. Because I like, you know, not just prop, not just my musical taste where I will like Carol King, King Crimson, you know, and wow. the Carpenters and Jethro Tull, Frank Zappa, you know, Radiohead and Talking Heads and so yeah. when you get, you know. I I don't think I've ever done a a prog masterpiece like, you know, Genesis Supper's Ready. I feel like someday I'm going to do a a straight-up prog masterpiece, but somehow I got stuck in... um, Stuck is maybe not the right word because I kind of like it, but Mm -hmm. um, you had mentioned the Steely Dan to kind of this kind of... Like, it grooves, and it's got these lush harmonies, and it's just... There's a lot. I, I feel like I'm when i'm listening to it it's like it's uh you can you, you can't take it all on a first listen but you feel s- satiated when you're done listening to it there's a lot of calories in there there's a lot of mm. meat on the bone and so uh i have this stuff here so i have a virtual studio now so yeah the so this stuff <laughs> was my one of the most recent things is like I need to get some better keyboard sounds because I have a lot of, I have a Korg M1 here from around 1990. Yeah, No more sounds in anymore. So everything has to be triggered. Um, That's right. And uh, so I ended up getting these keyboards. So I get these vintage Fender Rhodes and uh, Wurlitzers and Clavinets and things. So when you do that, I'm not going to be doing, you know, some of the prog stuff I want to do. And so it seems to fit more comfortably in, Mid 70s Chicago or Steely Dan. Yeah,
1: okay. I so see.
3: that explains a trumpet in there, also. I thought, oh, let's do an album. I can't play the trumpet to save my life, but I fooled you, right? <laughs> <It> sounds <laughs> you know, great. Spend the, the day, you know, and my wife can tell you if she hears <laughs> me, like, and it's like, don't worry, it's going to sound like something when I'm finished.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, most of the songs on the last album have, uh, you know, three part brass harmony. And what was I thinking? just to give it a color, just to give it a unified sound. And so to the, you know, that maybe gives you a Chicago vibe, the fact that, you know, it's got brass on it, but most of my albums, you know, that's kind of atypical if you go back over the years.
1: And I, and I think you're right. I mean, at least for the, the album, I, this uh, most recent album, there's a, there is kind of a sonic cohesion to it. You know, I've heard so much of your stuff that does go in plenty of places now each individual song has its complexities and you know some with the horns and 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 even vocal harmonies that you know great layers but i do feel like from beginning to end there's a sound that you've achieved with that album that's pretty you know uh,
3: I kind of write down what my settings are i mean before i didn't do, do that i would be like okay You know, the drums, I would set up the mics and the EQ, like, I don't know. And I'd be starting from scratch every time. And so I'd like just be fumbling, searching for, well, that sounds cool. Let's go with that. So it'd be like, you know, you go, you go, you buy a record and you have most of the time, one producer, one engineer, and they're making sound like a finished coat. He's a project. But imagine if every single song was a different producer, different recording studio, different microphones um or they forgot what the settings were and so they came up you know it sounds like you're in a different space because this song has reverb or this one doesn't this one has echo yeah so i've been trying to kind of be consistent in that approach i mean i still have i like to think of it as um if uh you had a kind of a jazz rock with a touch of prog to it um
1: Yeah. I would say that's true. Yeah. I mean, some, some a little bit more of a touch than others, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me. You know, I, I think too, we put these, we put all these rules and restrictions on ourselves and, and there's, I think there's a voice in each of our heads uh, except for maybe the very select few geniuses who don't, you know, ever have that voice who are, or who that, and that voice is telling you to fulfill some kind of, Uh, you know, stricture that, that, you know, music needs to adhere to even when you don't know that's happening. And it's, you know, one of the things I, I try to do now and then not always is to bust myself out of what I have been doing to make sure that there's not something else that I could be doing that I like even better. But, but the more you do it, and especially you've done so many albums there, there's less of a sense hopefully of, well, am I doing this right or is this going to sound like it should sound or whatever, you know, whatever you put together, if you, if it sounds organic to you, if it sounds like it's working for you, then that is how it should sound. There's, there's no real other requirement there.
3: That's the other thing. I have this love of kind of an analog sound. I'm doing everything digitally and all of my, you know, except for the drums, the guitars and my vocals and the trumpet. Well, I guess that's most of it, but all the keyboards, bass, and this is all, it's all virtual synthetic, but the sounds I'm choosing this style, it's still kind of, it's, I I rarely do sequence stuff. I I have done some programming computer-ish sounding stuff where it's, um, and that's usually why I say, okay, if I'm going to do that, then I'm going to do music that's, you know at my mind at the time, not humanly possible to play. I like to say, I, I, I like to see. And that, that's where the zap in me comes out. Is like, you come up with these, what, you know, um, these musical yeah. puzzles and uh, I like it. So I don't know why it would
1: and, and you know, the thing is, as unique as we all are, we're not all that different there. You know, if we, especially with the internet, you know, there might not be anybody or very few people in your immediate circle or even extended circle who have the same tastes as you do musically, but there are, I would say minimum, at least a million other people in the world, if not 10 or a hundred million who do, who, who somehow converge on many of the things that you like and that you find engaging musically. And it's a matter of finding them.
3: Yes, that, well, that's been my Achilles heel is I'm, of all the things I'm interested in doing, all the projects I've undertaken, what, what usually gets me in the end um, even when it, like my astrophotography I tried my hand at selling photos um, or videos of it um, but it's like getting you know getting the sales getting um, getting the exposure mm-hmm. um, so that that's where I kind of but again I'm being my own marketing I don't have a, an agent I don't have a, <laughs> You know, I don't. Have, I guess in the in the, in the in the old days, if you were lucky enough to have a contract, uh, you wouldn't. I wouldn't be worrying about that. Someone else that I'd be paying would right. be worrying about that. Um, right. But then I'd have other pressures that I currently don't have. I guess. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's always harder when you're doing everything yourself. I know what that feels like. So, you know, and I think, and most artists don't have the. You know, it's a different kind of mind and a different part of the brain that deals with things like uh uh abstracting what you do to the point where you understand what it looks like from afar, from someone else's purview and can market it in that way so that you, you know exactly even the visuals that work or the words that need to be in an ad or things like that. That's a, that's a whole discipline in itself. It's a, it's an, it's a creative discipline in a way. And and on the one hand, you would think artists might be really good at that. And maybe some are, but on the other hand, why should we have to be, you know, why, if, if what our passion is, is creating and sharing that creation, then it's, it's for people who are good at the the next step that that should be handed off to, I I think. I mean, you can do as much as on your own as you're good at, but uh, I, I, t- I, I, you know, do business and other things you know on the side and some of what we've learned is if there's something you're doing that's not in your core that that isn't that you can become good at or can figure out how to do but it's taking energy away from the thing that really is your passion that you want to do then the best thing you can do is to find somebody else to do that You know, and we're people who, well, you know, shit, I need a, you know, I need a flute on one of my songs. I'll just learn to play the flute fine, you know, or or whatever it is, you know, that's, and that can be fun, uh, you know, but at the same time, if that's not the thing you want to do, then just find somebody to do that. And yeah, that costs money. It takes time. So there are all these other factors that go into play, but I think that we're so hard on ourselves and, and not, you know, not working that part of it, that we forget that we're already doing so much.
3: I mean, that that reminds me that I had an open invitation with several people to, you know, sing some of my songs, but it just never panned out because, you know, life gets in the way and you have your jobs and we're not physically near each other. But of course, with technology now, you know, musicians don't even have to be in the same (laughs) country uh, sharing files and uh, just here's, add your track to it, you know, and yeah. Do as many takes as you need. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you, if you noticed on um, the last album, there was a female vocalist and that's actually uh, because I, there was a period where I was able to get a few other people involved um, in the album before that. I have some guest guitar spots, but these are, I lifted directly from the tracks cause they're, they're remakes from the late nineties So, I decided this song needs a a facelift. So, I I, I, uh, redid it, but I kind of shuttled in (laughs) those original performances from uh, the people I had helping me out. So, and I kind of shared it with them and, you know, oh, you know, see, oh, it sounds much better now. Or at least I think it does. Um, But, you know, with my venture into this now, it's like I have this, my doctoral essay, which is a piece for orchestra. is like i was always very like every if i'm going to write a piece it's going to get performed and recorded you know at least once Mm -hmm. ideally more but at least once and that what you know in the back of my mind that piece that because you know once i left college i didn't have the playground the uh, the arsenal the musicians there were you gonna like go to bob's orchestra and just you know you know store and say yes i'd like you to perform this from you know I mean, there's, it can be done. I have a friend who like went out to check the Czech Republic or something. Oh yeah. They'll uh, you pay them. They're a pretty good deal. And, but you know, (laughs) I'm thinking with the way virtual instruments are now at some point, you know, I'll say, you know what, in my free time, you know, I'll program it or something and
2: uh,
3: and hear it that way. But that's the, that's the, the only uh, rarity that of mine that hasn't seen a light of day from 20 years ago um, is a peaceful orchestra. That's incredible. That is
1: incredible. Yeah. Now. And, and so speaking of complexity and, and being that prolific, there is a, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about how music is not often as layered or as, you know, contrapuntally intricate as it used to be in in, in many ways and there yeah there's some music out there that still does that but on the whole especially in the pop landscape that's not something that is you know it's well known for uh, if at all the it it the thing that I connect that back to weirdly enough is part of your story when you mentioned that you would take a cassette player and you that you would be able to bounce your tracks and do your overdubbing by playing whatever you had already done through the speakers and then layer on top of that and that's how I started too you know until I got my first four track and yep you know and then I had to do some bouncing with that too if you wanted more than four tracks and and uh, and then of course with digital it's the sky's the limit as long as your processor can handle it you know the it's it's amazing to me what, what musicians and creators in particular will do to get an idea out of their head, even if the technology that they have at hand isn't there yet. And I think that applies to the layering that you do, but it also applies to the fact that you, you play, you sing as well, but you play so many instruments yourself. Uh, Well,
3: again, it's out of necessity. I, I wish I were a better performer, um, I feel like, you know, I. I mean, drums were my first instrument, so I'm I'm always, you know, I'll do a session a, a few days of going down, and I like got the song. I have to have it, you know, song all figured out. Um, unless I'm doing very rarely, I do a loops thing, but usually I I like I play the song,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and I have to have it, you know, in my head or play along to like a, a MIDI recording, you know because uh, i have you know how many people like actually write <laughs> the notes out <laughs> to their to their song so uh nice. that was, i wasn't sure if you could see that
1: i didn't know it was yours though that's oh, yeah,
3: boxes and boxes and boxes of sheet music um mm. but so vocals is my my current hurdle it's like okay i, I i'm re- and i always get in a place where it's like oh man I, i'll listen to people that i shouldn't be listening to i mean Tom Waits, like, I got into Tom Waits a while ago, so there's someone to aspire to if you're not really going to be, you know, like a Frank Sinatra crooner, because that's not what he's his aesthetic is. But at the same time, I got into Joni Mitchell, and, like, well, not only the female voice versus mine, but the way she used to sing was just, you know, unbelievable. And my latest bug is uh, I discovered... um. Scott Walker, so I'm listening, and he's interesting because from the Walker brothers. Uh, so you know, on the ride down and up today, I was I was listening to his first four albums um, from the '60s, mm. where he's got a full orchestra. It's beautiful, and you know, singing in like, a crooner style. But if I had that kind of baritone voice, it's like, what kind of music would I be? You know, so
1: interesting. That's
3: that kind of stuff I think of. It's like, well, okay, it inspires me to write something for that kind of voice but then it's up to me to actually realize it and so the final product ends up you know come turns out a little bit different it is what it is you know it's got my personality and everything but yeah all things uh being ideal you know
2: Ooh, <laughs>
1: Uh do you think you do you think you write to your strengths or do you or do you write whatever you wanna write and then just uh you know do do it the the way you do
3: it? I I think the the second way. I, I I mean I I have habits and habits are you know hard to break, so um it's always a good idea to write a piece for a percussion ensemble where you're not dealing with chords or anything, you're just mm things you hit you know um, yeah. un- unpitched that so kind of cl- used to cleanse my palate mm. but you know i realized you know if i'm dealing with i'm going to do something that bears some resemblance to a, you know a rock song it's going to have certain things in it so i'm not going to go that far off it's not going to i can only bring so much liggity <laughs> to to uh, a pop song um without it becoming completely avant-garde and you know, I do that now and then for fun. Um, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but um, I mean, ultimately, if if it's on my recording, I did it somehow, whether yeah. I did it well or not. So I'm, I'm, so yeah, my just, if I do a guitar stuff, I mean, I can only you know do so much with guitar. Um, so I. I you know, and sometimes it's really difficult. Like I had this idea and to execute it is, you know, quite a bear, but uh, I somehow pull it off or sometimes I'll compromise. Okay. And that's not working and I'll, so it's really an artifact. These recordings I make, they're kind of these sculptures, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. it was supposed to be a tree and the branches fell off and now it's a bush or something, you know, it, maybe it kind of changed as I was making it. And I didn't know what it was going to be until it was finished or near completion.
1: I find that to be better anyway, because if you, you know, uh, it's just like with a novelist. Some novelists are able to write an outline and from getting in, write the whole book. That's how it was. And others let the characters or the plot kind of uh, guide them along into where it's going to go next. And if they tried to stick to an outline, it would kill the energy of the book. It would kill the, the flow or the truth of the book. And I think music can be the same way.
3: I bet not that I'm doing as much of it as I used to, like, I like this getting back to this being my pandemic album, it was only that because the opportunity presented itself. And I know a lot of other musicians did this as well. It's like suddenly you're not having, not at work or you don't have to drive to work because it's virtual. So last March I found myself with a little bit more time on my hands. Um, Normally I would do this in the winter time when, you know, I'm not outside vineyard most of the time and so since i didn't get to that last december january february um i didn't think i was going to do one Mm. when that happened i thought well i have a couple songs maybe i'll write a couple more and then select uh pick some songs uh to redo you know that i feel like didn't get their, their fair shake the first time around and mix them up so that's kind of like what i've been doing yeah. my, my recipe in the last couple albums is have some new stuff and some old stuff given new you know what, what what would that song from the 80s or 90s sound like if i have what i have now and you know how my production technique and actual guitar yeah overdub properly without all this static and, and background noise
1: that's but, very cool
3: I would like to do collaborations so you know I because mean, I you heard my stuff I heard your stuff too and you know I whenever I hear another musician I mean especially someone who you know because you hear stuff on the you know on the radio and what passes for commercial and you kind of know what to expect I'm very seldom surprised so when I hear someone else it's like oh man look what they're doing it's like and I guess is what if Someone's trying to talk to me while music is on, even if I'm in a department store or shopping and they'll say something to me and I'm listening to, Oh, do you hear who that? Oh, it's like, oh totally, know. yes. Yes. So it's been commented. Like when I listen, the way I listen to music, it's like, I listen to the music. I'm following the line or, you know, the percussion parts and the layers of it. Is that one or two people or three people or, you know, right. So, Anyway, I'm listening to your stuff and the, the, the sounds you're coming up with, the production and your singing. And I mean, I have to say, I, I wasn't sure if I'd have the opportunity, but I am in the fan club, you see. So, uh, <laughs> you
1: know. wow, one of my interview subjects, actually. Yeah. So, you know, yeah.
3: but uh, awesome. so since I heard him sing before I heard um, your material, I was interested to see, you know, how. Or the apple fell from the tree it's like mm-hmm. you know you got the jeans you know and i hear yeah. james taylor's son sing my gosh it sounds like james taylor or julian lennon you hear i mean because just the, the structure of the the nose and the throat and
1: absolutely everything. yeah and how you use yeah. your voice yeah
3: uh, you're in a different i mean i think you've done some things um or some of his material or songs in that vein but you kind yeah. of you're probably making wise choice when you have artists who are related that you don't want to i mean that's another discussion is like um like peeking right. out your own identity um you don't want to the same style i mean i don't even know if i i mean i'd love i'd have if you did an interview with them. there were a bunch of questions it's like well who is the arranger, and like, do you? How do you pick them at the songs that you, you know, you came up with? Like, like, how much say did you have in that? Like, were they? If you had a song idea? Would they let you? Or oh no, you're under those contracts, and it's a whole different world. That you know, just because we're musicians, that experience of being in the game and it's your living and you know, it's a business, you know, this is the business that we're in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like so when you, when you're at that level, um, just the consideration, the experiences is, is like, not it's like the difference between someone who, you know, works in a grocery store and someone who works in a farm in a field, You, you, you there might be a, a bag of frozen peas at the end of it, but one is not like the other at all. And so,
1: It's interesting. Yeah. And, and to even find those parallels, I, I, the, what popped into my head is the difference between, and these, these are, you know, maybe odd connections, but uh, you have Frank Sinatra and Frank Sinatra Jr. He pretty much was trying to do what his dad did. Right. You know, but then you have um, James, I think it was James McCartney and, and James Paul McCartney. And his dad was a musician. A working musician for years he had his own band and everything and paul just went in a different a completely different direction and it was a wise choice you know and so sometimes i guess it, uh, i watched that that bg's documentary a couple of months ago and one of the things that uh, barry said was that there's nothing like singing with your own relative especially if it's a sibling or a parent because like as you said the the way the voice and the body is structured there's there's a certain you can mesh harmonically better than you could with somebody else in the world most likely so even though a lot of what I've done is nothing like what my dad has done when we do sing like that our voices sound really good together you know which is a real treat
3: yeah that, that's something I don't I, I wouldn't that's the other thing I don't there's really no other musicians in my immediate family so oh interesting I didn't come that like that's a I often wonder, well, why did I, why was I interested? Because, you know.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
3: I mean, I I don't really, I can't really explain it. It was just something that fascinated me. Like, how do you, I don't know. I just wanted to see how it was done and I'm doing it.
1: Yeah, you are, you're doing it all over. (laughs) And, and, you know, when you consider that there are people getting paid a whole lot more than any of us are to do this or to do anything, and some of their motivations uh, often are they're passionate about what they do, but sometimes it's a job and they're getting paid for it and they're going to keep doing it. Um, for people who are doing it or not making a full living at it or, you know, that type of income, there's no other reason but desire, you know, the, and passion. And so wherever that came from, that's, you know, even if you took a couple of years off here or there, it's still so connected with you. It's something that you can't not do
3: right well there's probably going to be a lot more off years i mean i i could say i mean i don't think there's nobody demanding when's your next album going to come out i mean gosh this one's still the paint is isn't dry on it yet but um (laughs) you know it's all even though it's a year ago almost yeah um, yeah yeah i think it was summertime by the time i was finished so Mm -hmm. um you know with this, with the grape growing, I mean, that's my next big, big, like, okay, um, this is something, I mean, we didn't really talk about that much, but. Uh.
1: Well, I actually want to get to that, but I want to say one thing really quickly, which is we're going to have a, well, I do this, but it's probably going to be over email. I think whether it's collaboration or something else, um, since my weakest instrument, or the instrument I feel most self-conscious about and don't have access to is the drums, you know, and now, and then you're looking for a vocalist. I would love to maybe trade and have you do some drums on some stuff that I'm doing. And I would love to sing for you. But
3: you have great drumming on your, I mean, that's so
1: well, all, you know, sampled. So <laughs> it's live drums, but it's, me piecing it together myself so you know i have an instinct for it but i can't play it you know
3: you have to trust me to be able to record it properly to, well, unless you can do the magic
1: oh well everything you've rec- that sound that if it's you playing on we're recordings it sounds great so
3: yeah I mean, i'd be up for that it took me forever to get a good bass drum sound and i still don't have like you mm. get a good snare bass drum sound you think well, what's the big deal you're hitting this thing that sounds like you know there's it's not, it shouldn't be that complicated, but... It, oh, no, it is, yeah.
1: Um, I remember my studio days where I worked in actual non- sitting in front of my computer studios. The amount of effort they go through to mic something properly, it's just its incredible. Just the, the kind of mic itself and the placement and what else is in the room. I, I love all that, but it's... I'm, I was always glad somebody else was doing it, so... You know. Before... I, I, go ahead.
3: Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I kind of Plan to seed for that like you know it's like that would be cool to do a you know a collaboration because i'm you know there's a bunch of guys out there who i've um have done things with or would like to um you know and it's you now i'll well, get around to it and sometimes it happens and sometimes it, it doesn't but
2: yeah.
3: um but I, I do realize i mean because of the way I've been doing it for so long on my own, you know, it's kind of, I I kind of paint myself in a corner sometimes because I've had the comment before that, you know, when people listen to myself, well, it sounds like it's the same guy playing everything. When you get a band playing together, I mean, live at the same time, there's like the hardest thing is like syncing up what you record on drums to then the other instruments. Like the feel is because every little subtle change um, in tempo or, you know and, and dynamic you can respond and adjust immediately to so when you're playing live with someone or recording rehearsing that way bass and drums or something is different than doing one at a time um yeah so but what i've ended up doing i've got like three different keyboard parts i got drums i have six uh, you know i got tambourine shaker and triangle and three different tr- uh, brass and I have my voice double-tracked and then I've got three-part harmony and then there's two or three guitar. You know, there'd, there'd be no way I could pull this off live, even with a band. It's like, how would I even... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you, that, that would take a lot of time and probably money to get those people together. You're like a 30 piece band. Here's you
3: know. the sheet music for It's like, oh my goodness.
1: Like. <laughs> I, I don't even want to know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, well, those are things for us to definitely uh, connect on. Um, we are, I say, out of time. I don't know. Nobody's keeping a clock. I'm trying to keep this around an hour. And I wanted to to touch on this before we go because it's been staring everybody in the face. Tell us a little bit more about your vineyard.
3: All right. Well, um, the vineyard is currently situated on my uh, father and grandfather's uh, old farm, um, at least a, a four-acre parcel of it, and it's almost filled up now. And I started uh, first planting was 2012, uh, broke ground as I say, and so the oldest plants are almost almost a decade old. They'll be nine years old this year. Um, a few years before that, I kind of. My wife uh, has thousands of books. <laughs> she sells books and, uh, and antiques. And so uh, one, one day we went for an. Here's, here's a weird synergy. We were up at uh, Cherry Springs in uh, Upper Pennsylvania. Um, I forget the name of the county. Um, and you know, you're out there camping and an open field, and you've got tent, and it's freezing at night, and what do you do during the day, and so there was a field of dandelions, and one of the books we brought was wild edibles, so foraging for, uh, you know, when you're in the wild, and it happened to have a a recipe for dandelion wine, Mm. so we said, okay, well, let's try that, so we picked a whole bag of dandelion flowers, and put it, you know, Went back back home when we were all done our astronomying and um I followed the recipe. I used bread yeast, which is not the yeast to use, <laughs> did an open crock pot, and we like to say it came out horrible, but we drank it because we made it and it was like, yeah, we made it. and it's like had it had a kick to it. Um it's like okay, what else can you make wine out of? So you know, going to store and buying any any kind of fruit juice. Ooh. so i mean i was making wine out of just about everything and and then i started getting a little bit more you know serious and actually went the, the year a year or two after that i was making wines i was in a wine making club and entering some contests and getting some feedback and i have some batches that don't don't turn out right but you know i got a basement make racks in the bay you know it's i'm running out of room to store it all but um oh, wow. but most so all this while I'm saying well you know if I want to you know do this (laughs) big time or small time I don't know but uh got to have some grapes so I said well let me start by planting some grapes so I planted my first hundred vines and every year I planted more and more so now I have over 3,000 vines and over three acres and it's quite a bit to go out there and prune and train and in the summertime you got to spray mow and all that stuff but at the end but in late summer fall you know harvest time i you know i pulled about you know four tons last year and um so a lot of wineries in south jersey is where i sell it to i reserve from some for myself to keep practicing and have some uh but most of that i sell to uh wineries which some people may have heard of <laughs> nice and uh hopefully they make a good product with it
1: that's exciting that's it's, it's exciting as exciting to me as there's the music uh my fiance and i have been watching this show on cnn hosted by stanley tucci and he's touring italy and yeah, yeah. well you know So now, you know, I'm like, well, I have to have wine in the house now, even though, you know, that's, he's going to get to a point where he's going to talk about wine. Just that, that, uh, and I know we have another vineyard in the family, uh, the DiMatteo Vineyard, and and it's just, oh yeah. (laughs) Uh,
3: I have not determined how or if they're related.
1: They are, you know, that's interesting because I they do the family reunion there the, every now and then, and my parents go, so there must be some relation somehow. So, you know, <laughs>
3: and four thousand people, I have
1: not connections. So wow! Well, you're the expert. You are the pro on that. You know what? I'd, what I'd like to know, and we can talk about this offline, is I bumped into a DiMatteo, uh fashion online that's based in Naples. And I'd love to know if I'm sure there's a, maybe a very, very distant relation, but I'd love to know what kind of relation there is, if any, to those people. So I might uh, talk to you about that at some point.
3: (laughs) Yeah. You can't always go by, you know, the last name that they could be. It's just, uh, right. I mean, I don't know if it's as common as Smith, but, uh, you know, necessarily mean.
1: there could be that's yeah you'd have to go back hundreds of years or I more mean,
3: there's there's other Castellis if you just search online and i found out during the family tree that my great great i don't know if it's two or three greats this guy was abandoned um in a basket and i have the document in italy so there's this orphan child wrapped in rags they gave him the name Paul. Paolo Castello. Oh, wow! Like, oh, who knows what my real name should have been? Yeah, but that's that's one branch of genealogy. I can't go further back. I mean, oh, incredible! Family, but without knowing, who, you know, what that family name is, so just so if there's other Castellis out there, they're probably, you know, the Castellis you could fit in one room. Yeah, people, there's only huh. about 30 of us.
1: That's um, incredible.
3: Uh, but well. The matter is you don't have to worry about. There's, you uh, you could fill a, uh, you know, a convention hall.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 I've been told that. Uh, Well, so we could go on and on and on, and I've loved every minute of this. Uh, We are going to put, I'm going to put links up to a bunch of this stuff so that everybody can explore a little bit more. I know I'm going to be exploring more, and especially, uh, you know, when things open up a little more, would love to try your wine. Uh, That's something I'd be very excited to do, but... um, Thank you so much for you know sitting with me and talking with me. It's uh, the it, it was great. I appreciate it.
3: Nick, it was not only a pleasure talking to you and finally talking to you in person, after a fashion, um, but it was also a great honor for you to have even you know asked me to do this. And especially, uh, I'm quite a, there's some uh, hard acts to follow that you've you know, recently so
1: you know. Ah oh, well that's very nice of you to say but you know and i'll tell you all this listen to his music you'll understand why you know it's it's not just that we're related there's a reason why we i spent an hour with him today uh but yes thank you so much uh uh and thank all of you for listening and watching and clicking and sharing and all the things i normally say i hope you enjoyed this hour uh, and uh, that you have some comments or questions either, you know, for, for Jim or for me or about any of these subjects that we've talked about because as always, my objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. Thank you, everyone, and I will see you next time. Take care. Bye.
0: What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat?
3: Would they shop? Would they shop?
0: Would you kill?
3: Yes. <laughs> my mom is dead.
0: My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal